Hello, Moonwalkers, and welcome to another episode of Moonwalk Talks. All your energy into your finger. Throw it out. Fire. Moonwalk Talks is a podcast dedicated to searching out the facts, stories, and theories all about the king of pop, the greatest entertainer of all time. That's Michael Jackson. I am your host, Jenkins. And yes, we're just going to pretend like I haven't updated this podcast in over a year. See, look, I don't make no money doing this, okay? And until somebody starts paying me, like, I'm just going to do it when I feel like, okay? You know? All right. So make sure to follow at Moonwalk Talks on Instagram and Twitter <laughs> and go subscribe on YouTube. Or don't. It doesn't matter. Nothing I make ever gets any attention anyway. So let's just get right into it. Recently, I was fortunate enough to visit the beautiful New York City to see the premiere of MJ the Musical on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater. For those that haven't heard of it, MJ the Musical is an official MJ Estate live Broadway play about a fabricated portion of Michael Jackson's life as he prepares for his 1992 Dangerous Tour. It is directed and choreographed by Christopher Wielden and based on a fictional book by Lynn Nottage. Starring Miles Frost as Michael Jackson, the play unfolds as a camera crew from MTV gets access to film Michael Jackson as he rehearses before the tour. From there, we go on a journey through MJ's beginnings, lifestyle, and career told through his interview with reporters, musical numbers, and lots of exposition. The show is said to contain over 25 songs, most of them from Michael Jackson, but they also include a few other artist material. But we'll talk more on that later. It was originally set up to open in the middle of 2020, but I'm sure we all know why that didn't happen. So instead, the first soft opening to the public was on Monday, December 6th, 2021. But they are saying the official opening is set for February 1st, 2022. Uh, Me personally, I attended the first showing on Monday, December 6th and the second showing on Tuesday, December 7th. It is being shown again at the Neil Simon Theater in Manhattan near Times Square. All right, so let's just get into this review. And here's your warning. From here on, I will be going in-depth about the show, its characters, the music, the story, everything. So if you don't want any spoilers, you need to turn this off now and just go listen to some of the other episodes. Also, I saw the show the first two days it was open, which means the show was in previews. That kind of means it's the beginning part of a Broadway production that uses its showings to work out the kinks and kind of get an idea of its strengths and weaknesses before it officially opens. Um, It's like screenings for movies in a way. So this is a review of the previews, and I will update my review when I see it after officially opening. Okay, also let me preface this by saying these are just opinions and nobody cares what you think about them, okay? Nobody's forcing you to listen to this, and they don't expect you to even care about what I babble on about. I'm tired of people thinking that everybody in the world needs to think all the same, and just because you like or dislike something, everybody else has to as well. That's not how life works. Just because you say something sucks doesn't mean that that person over there can't enjoy it, and vice versa. So... If you care to hear what a super opinionated, well-versed, self-proclaimed MJ historian that holds everything MJ to a higher standard has to say, then keep listening. Okay, as I write this, I have seen the MJ musical twice. 
The first time, I was in an expensive seat near the front row. Uh, it was Orchestra Row Zero, seat 11. And for the second showing, I went with the cheapest ticket in the far back mezzanine row S, seat 2. And honestly, I enjoyed the cheap seat more than the expensive seat. See, I'm a taller guy. I'm about 6'4". And I had a bit more leg room up there in the orchestra than in the orchestra seat. Um, They were also crammed together that my legs were kind of stuffed in the back of the seats for me. It was very uncomfortable for two plus hours and I never got used to it. Uh, For me, it was it was not a comfortable watching experience. The Neil Simon Theater is a smaller theater with about 1400 seats and I could feel it in both seats. But on the pro side of it being a smaller theater is that none of the seats feel like they are too far away from the stage. Even the seat in the far back, I could see great. I could see the emotions on people's faces, the props, the little nuances. So it really comes down to your preference. Whenever I go back, I will definitely be buying the seats in the middle mezzanine. I think that would probably be best for me. Um, I would say try them both and see what works out for you. Some people like to be closer to the actors. I personally like to be further away because it helps suspend my disbelief. The only downside to being in the cheaper seats is that you deal with more unruly people. Um, I couldn't tell you how many times the usher had to get onto people for not silencing their phones or trying to take pictures and videos, which is strictly prohibited, or just talking too loudly and disrupting others. So that was quite upsetting. It takes you out of the performance. So people, follow the rules, turn your f***ing cell phones off, shut up, and just enjoy the show, okay? My other big complaint about the Neil Simon Theater is their entry process. Alright, they expect people to arrive at specific times due to their seat placements. But see, this is an idiotic system of entry. For instance, they ask the people with the expensive tickets to show up 10 to 20 minutes before showtime so they can quote-unquote social distance. They need to check your vaccination card and scan your ticket, and in turn, people in the back rows need to show up first, around 40 to 50 minutes before the show. This leads to a big problem, though, because they don't get people in quick enough. So both nights that I attended the show, I was still in line for over 30 minutes waiting to get in. The line was seriously wrapped around two blocks both nights. And the first night, it started unexpectedly raining. And and no, rain was not in the forecast, so now you have a bunch of us expensive ticket holders getting soaked because they have poor entry process. Now trust me, being soaked in a tiny-ass seat for two hours wasn't what I would call a comfortable Broadway experience. But you can just chalk that up to me not being an experienced New Yorker. I'm sure that most locals will be prepared for this type of thing. So what about the actual show? Well, the cast consists of about 26 people, including main actors, supporting actors, and a few extra dancers and background performers. Some of the main actors pulled double roles like Quentin Darrington playing MJ's 1992 Dangerous Tour Manager Rob, as well as playing 1960-1980 Joe Jackson. Three separate actors play Michael Jackson in different eras, Dangerous Michael, Jackson slash 80s Michael, and Little Michael. First of all, the acting is fantastic. Miles Frost, who plays Michael Jackson, does an outstanding job as the Dangerous Era Michael Jackson. His MJ voice borders on perfect, and his singing is very close to what any of the top MJ tribute artists are bringing to the table, even if even better than a lot of them. He captures the little quirks of Michael. If anything, he was the best part of the show for me. I hope he sticks with the production because I don't see many other people doing a job as well and as honest as he does. Honestly, all of the acting is great. Uh, Quentin Darrington, who plays Joe Jackson and Rob, were another one of my favorites. He really brings a convincing sense of intimidation to the character of Joe. But then he plays Rob as more of a concerned friend to Michael. It's a nice contrast. Uh, 
Ayana George, who plays Katherine Jackson, brought the much-needed warmth. And I also really enjoyed Tavon Olds as a compassionate thriller era Michael. I think that most people will walk away with a favorite side character and actor. And just remember, even though this is based on real people, it's still fiction. So they take creative liberties with looks and styles. Um, I didn't enjoy all of the actors, though. Two roles could be completely removed, and the show would be considerably better. That would be Whitney uh, Bashore as Rachel and Gabrielle Ruiz as Alejandro. It was a painful cringe fest to watch these two people on that stage. I don't know if it was the writing, the casting, or the way they are thrown into the situations and scenes, but they both just feel awfully out of place. Rachel is the reporter character that pulls all the flashbacks and exposition out of Michael, and Alejandro is her cameraman that is supposed to be the comedy sidekick with a heart of gold. They ruin every single scene they are in. Whitney's uninspired and boring singing not only doesn't mesh with the rest of the cast, but outright clashes with it, especially when she's singing opposite Miles. Ugh, maybe that was the idea since she is the shady reporter character and every MJ fan knows how MJ felt about reporters, but even if this was intentional, it still hinders the show. Gabrielle as Alejandro is meant to be the comedic break in the show, but he just comes off as annoying. With a couple simple rewrites, they could remove these characters completely and the show would be far better in my opinion. Those are my only complaints, but before we get to those, let's talk more about what I enjoyed from the show or what the show has done well. Uh, the costume department did a decent job of matching the fashion for the different eras. The story did a pretty good job of bringing us into the set pieces they were intending. And that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I really don't have much more good to say about this production because it's all marred by one huge problem. The music. And, and I hear you, you're asking, how can a musical about the greatest entertainer of all time not have good music? And I'm right there with you. See, I don't understand how they got the music arrangements so wrong. Well, to start, they're sluggish, underproduced, corny at times, and all in all, empty. The music lacks any depth. And that's a difficult task to accomplish because a lot of MJ's music wasn't technically complicated. There's no reason why it would have been difficult to arrange for Broadway. And yet the creative team of David Hulkenberg and Jason Webb failed. Now, I'm not totally sure, but I'm assuming that they are incorporating a mixture of live instrumentation with backing tracks. And the backing tracks are only implemented on a couple of the songs. The band. Oh, the band. Oh, not only do they sound straight out of high school, but they sound and look like they are missing quite a few members. Once again, empty. This is going to be a recurring point in this show. And since they don't list the band members on any official site, they possibly don't have a dedicated band of the show and just hire studio or session musicians for the nights. So they end up lacking the cohesion that a band that constantly plays together often would have. But again, I'm not certain. But the live band isn't the whole problem. I'm guessing that they also include backing tracks to fill out some of the musical numbers, but the backing tracks sound cheap, underproduced, and guess what I'm gonna say next? Just go ahead and make, just make a guess. Empty! They are honestly more like karaoke versions of MJ's biggest hits. At certain points of the show, I was wishing they would have just played the original tracks and lip synced to them instead of hearing some of my favorite songs of all time be butchered by a casino jam band. It really is baffling how they could have ruined the music so badly, 
Michael Jackson's music had already been made. They already had the blueprints. All they had to do was follow them and add a little Broadway flair to it. Unfortunately, they tried and they failed. Some numbers are downright shameful. And both times I went to see the show, they had a multitude of audio issues. As an audio engineer, it sounded like they didn't sync up the delay between the music and the singing correctly. So the music was always a little bit behind the singing, making it very disorienting. It's hard to get into the rhythm of a song when it's noticeably off a quarter of the beat. But again, I saw this for the first two nights of the opening, so this could have just been a slight issue that they have already fixed. But on the same note, you would think that the musical timing would be one of the things you would work out before opening your doors to anybody. Even when I was doing streaming shows during quarantine, I made sure that my delay was correct. That's just such an amateur problem and should not have been one that this production had. Next, I was going to complain about the music selections they picked for the show, because the music selections are very questionable. But maybe it's a good thing that they didn't use certain tracks, so they didn't have the opportunity to butcher them. I was surprised, and, and not in a good way at some of the soundtrack choices. Of course, you get the songs you already knew were going to be featured, like Billie Jean, Thriller, Beat It, Jam. But for a play set in 1992 before the start of the Dangerous Tour, you would think that we would hear a little bit more from that era. Uh, We miss out on tracks like Remember the Time, In the Closet, Who Is It, Dangerous. Instead, they chose to have a whole segment dedicated to Stranger in Moscow, a song that might have been in works at the time, but it wasn't officially released until years later. And also, instead of including fan favorites like Leave Me Alone or Liberian Girl, instead they used other people's songs like Shout from Otis Day. Higher and Higher from Jackie Wilson, and Papa's Got a Brand New Bag by James Brown. Completely unneeded tracks that could have been replaced by songs in Michael Jackson's catalog. And they chose to include Thriller, not once, but twice, two different parts of the show. I don't know why they couldn't have substituted Ghost or Is It Scary for one of those instances if they were going to be using tracks from newer albums than Dangerous. It just seemed poorly thought out all around. They had access to dozens of amazing songs they could have incorporated into the narrative, a ton of songs that MJ fans have yet to see on stage, and yet they dedicate a whole section to the Jackson 5 medley that we have seen on every MJ production to date. Seems like a whole waste. How many times can we see the same Billie Jean and Smooth Criminal routine? Not only that, those routines are done better on the older productions like MJ Immortal and MJ1. And those songs didn't even fit the narrative of the play. They were just thrown in as showpieces to please the casual fan. And I don't want to hear that the song choices were based on casual fans and regular theater goers because they wouldn't have included a couple of choices like Price of Fame, even though that Rachel Gore ruins it, and the surprising arrangements of Keep the Faith. Honestly, they should have picked a running theme like Keep the Faith for the show, and maybe the show would have felt a little bit more cohesive. On a lighter note, the choreography is not terrible at all, but it is a little troublesome. And again, how could it be? Because most of these songs already have dedicated, time-tested choreography. And yet they decided to very loosely follow Michael Jackson and his collaborators' years of blueprints. A lot of the dancing is like if the Broadway choreographer had their own ideas to start with, but then was reluctantly forced to incorporate Michael's moves. It's not all bad, And it's not all that distracting. It's just frustrating when they set up the choreography to follow the original and then change it up mid-dance. One other big complaint is the stage props and graphics. Again, very cheap and very empty filling. 
There are really only two somewhat extravagant set pieces, and it's stuff you've already seen before, and it's done better elsewhere. And I don't know who made their projected imagery, but it looks like low-res clip art. You can literally see the pixels in the images, and I really shouldn't be able to see photo pixels in the cheap seats. They are very low quality. Productions of this magnitude should at least be able to have a high-quality background image of the Los Angeles skyline. They could have downloaded higher-res backgrounds and graphics from Shutterstock. It's just so off-looking. The ending scene of Michael Jackson on stage opening the Dangerous Tour with a sea of people in front of him just looks so bad. The graphics could have been made in 30 minutes by a crappy YouTuber in After Effects. It's just silly that on a production like this, something so simple as a shot of a crowd or a graffiti on a wall can't even get the right amount of attention. It's very disheartening, and it really adds to the disappointment of the show. And that's basically where I'm at for the MJ musical. It's somewhat entertaining, but it's ultimately disappointing. Now don't get me wrong, I cried at times, I laughed at times, I am glad that I saw it, and I am glad that they made it. But unfortunately, I don't think that my emotions during the play were tied to the production, but more to how hearing the original songs and artists makes me feel. For instance, I cried when they first sang Keep the Faith, but it wasn't because of the scene. It was just because I was so happy to hear Keep the Faith in an official setting outside of the album. I just think it needs some major changes and more time in the oven. In summary, they did a good job with the casting, with certain exceptions. The fictional story is followable, It can be entertaining at times. And honestly, if they didn't have a solid MJ and Miles, this would be a disaster. For me, at least. My biggest complaint is just the terrible job on all aspects of the music. And in a production about the greatest entertainer of all time, you can't get the music wrong or else everything else fails. But that's just my opinion. And normally I am harsher than most, so I reached out to my MJ fam, Kyle. What's up, dude? Oh, what's up, Mr. Jenkins? How are you? Who was also at those shows with me, and we had a short conversation about his opinions, and here is our conversation. Okay, so I finally got my review written because um, I was procrastinating for, like, ever, and, of course, I was also stupid busy. But I finally got it all written and everything, um, but I just wanted to get, like, another person's opinion because mine's always a little bit more on the harsh side of things and... (laughs) And so I thought it'd be neat for the listeners to get just a different or just somebody else's take. And I know that you're, you're a big fan and, you know, you were there for the same dates that I were. So I was like, that'd be neat. Um, I guess the first thing I could ask you is what was your general, just like your general all round? Um, I generally thought that the show, it was a good tribute. And I'll say it a tribute because I don't think that it was, like his life story they're calling it mj the musical as if it spans you know his whole career and it really did not what would you say was probably one of the stronger suits of the uh of the mj musical one of the strongest features about the michael jackson musical was that they had a like a vibrant cast i think that the cast selection uh, was pretty good, especially when you have like somebody like Michael Jackson, the man of uh, a thousand faces. You really, it's just going to be hard to find somebody to represent him. So the more appropriate way would be somebody who kind of like embodies him. And I think that they did a really good job with that. All right. So, what was probably one of your least favorite things about the show? 
The musical arrangement. (laughs) (laughs) That's exactly what I said. (laughs) Yeah, the musical arrangement was just high school production level. It was terrible. See that I I said some of the same things. Yeah, it's like some of the same things I said in my in my review. It it sounded like a high school band to me. Like it just wasn't like it wasn't fleshed out. Like there wasn't enough behind it. And I was like even with like I mean in my opinion and and with the. even when they did use, and I'm assuming that they used some back, backing tracks, but I don't. Oh, there's 100. a lot of backing tracks. There's a lot of backing tracks, and you could tell that when you sit on the floor. They have a small band back there, and it's a live band. They even have a musical director because I met him briefly coming out from backstage, and you just wonder why was there no umph or no kick in this music? Um, did you have any other problems with it, other than the, other than the music? Um, the timeline. Um, and the the overall plot and the, the direction of the uh, the production. All right, so let's go a little deeper into the plot. Um, what kind of problems do you think that the what that did you see with the plot of that one? What was the purpose of trying to create suspense about the the toaster when we all know that he gets the toaster? You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That is kind of a silly um, idea that the entire musical is about him trying to get <laughs> the toaster for the Danger Store, which is probably one of the most iconic things. I mean, right. if you're not, you know, a hardcore Michael Jackson fan, most 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 people have seen Michael Jackson pop out of the stage. You know. Exactly. And you know what? The real big um, dilemma on the Dangerous Tour was the the lowering stage because he had that uh that escalating stage for billy jean and then he had the um the rocket man the rocket man every night you know those were the big how are we going to pull uh, this off moment when they did billy jean in this this musical they used the cachet case he didn't use the case on the dangerous tour yep that was another one yeah there was a lot of uh historical inaccuracies within this yeah. production for sure yeah um like one thing I remember we were talking about was the um, the songs that they chose oh. to to have on there, and instead of you know like some songs that were more in that area, like or getting to see things like Remember the Time that we've right. never seen on stage, or you know, right. you know, never seen live. Uh, I mean, aside from you know musical well, awards. I mean, well, exactly. We saw him when he was on the wheelchair um, on the Trojan Music Awards do it, but there were so many other songs. A, that they could have put in there, and then B, that they could have used to um, use this platform to spotlight those songs. Now what's going on is you're using the same old songs when you have this whole church of Michael Jackson right now because you have another hub where everybody's going to be coming. Why wouldn't you use other songs from the catalog? Yeah, for sure. It's like there's, there's, a, there's a lot of other things that they could have been um, incorporated to actually create a better narrative, uh, better than, you know, Michael Jackson not getting his toaster. Uh, right. Or, you know, the, even using some of the narrative to uh, maybe teach people more about Michael Jackson would have been. Yes. Yes, exactly. And that goes back to the church of Michael Jackson. This should have been the book of John for Michael Jackson. And if you're uh, if you are familiar with theology or with Christianity, Christianity, the book of John is kind of like 
the the story of Jesus and how he came to be. One thing that bothers me so much is they didn't even mention uh, Captain EO. And here it is, Broadway. This is your big chance to do a big number. Well, why not do We Are Here to Change the World? Oh, that'd be amazing. I mean, especially yeah. with the times that we're in now, it's like it would be nice to hear an uplifting track of that nature. Right. And listen, whoever made this was just so not into Michael. They never sang Heal the World. They never sang We Are the World. We Are the World was not just a monumental point in Michael Jackson's career, but in the whole wide world. So there is just a major lack of love, and I don't know why, but um, they focused to to kind of drop innuendo. They uh, focused on dropping, you know, maybe he has a, a problem with uh, pills and stuff like that. Well, you, you just kind of brushed over the fact that his hair caught on fire. So there's a scene where he and his mother are sitting on the bed, and they start singing I'll Be There to one oh, to each other. How crazy yeah. is that? I would have loved to see, like, after that moment, maybe the mother tells him about courage, you know what I'm saying? Um, yeah. I'm really big at regurgitating stuff that actually happened, whereas opposed to a fantasized script. You know what I'm saying? Because it's almost like blasphemy. You're just making up stuff. So when him and his mother are talking on the bed, I would have loved for them to freeze. And then the new Michael Jackson walks around the corner like, have you seen my childhood? That would have been so great, you know? Yeah, I I think that would be really cool. I mean, I guess, I mean, and once again, it just comes back to the the thought that um, they didn't put much care when they used the music for the narrative, you know? Yeah, and for a musical, you would think that that would be the first thing that they would figure out. First priority. Yeah. Yeah, we're gonna put we're gonna make this music work into the story that we're trying to tell, or uh, you know, or vice versa, however, whether you know, whatever the correct way of saying that is. Right. It wasn't big enough. They didn't take advantage of the LED screens. Um, there wasn't enough special effects. Um, oh, it's the the set didn't change good enough for me. There wasn't enough lights. Remember when he's on those uh, those crates? I feel like those would have been trimmed in LED lights. Yep. Um, it's just it's a lot of stuff that um, they missed spots on, um, yeah. and especially for this to be a, the Michael Jackson story, like the the end all of all performers. They didn't even. I I wanted them so desperately to do the um, when he's in that leather suit for Billie Jean. I wanted them to somehow do some sort of mimic of that with the floors light up. Oh, that would have been cool. Nothing. That would have been really cool. You know what I did like, though, when they did that back alley for Smooth Criminal? But what I uh-huh. didn't like was they had everybody in those fetish suits from MJ the One. Like, oh, why? Yeah. Why yeah. wouldn't these people just be in zoot suits? Yeah, that that, yeah, that would make more sense. And Yeah, yeah. It, just, it seemed like they, they just kind of missed the mark on a, on a lot of mm-hmm. different things. Um, I think what marred this, the most, and I think that we got, we we both kind of have been sco- like talking about the exact same thing is you know the music the music when it comes down to it is kind of what uh, what kind of really kills this musical for me and it's like and that's what like unfortunately in my review it's like I didn't really have much nice to say about it either except for some of the actors that I really like um, and uh, but other than that like I, I really didn't have a lot to say good to say about it and I think it was mainly because the music was so bad. And, um, so bad. and I think that if they just would have that problem fixed, like somebody get somebody else in there to kind of help the arrangements, uh, more band members, uh, maybe like, I mean, it would be great if they re- restructure some of the show to, 
um, accommodate better, you know, selections of music. Um, what was the other song? Wait, and uh, why is human nature taking place in Hollywood when he clearly yeah. says, if this town is just an apple, let me take a bite? So yeah. crazy. And then yeah, they had those people dressed up. You remember, like, those solo cups back in the 90s, how they had, like, yeah. the blue and white, like, splashes on them? That's what those yeah. people looked like. <laughs> and they were just, like, dancing around with the ho- with the Hollywood letters? It's like, yeah, okay. it was crazy. That's so silly. Out of all the things, like, they, they could have spent that budget on on yeah. uh, on a on a Egyptian themed, and, you know, they could have been doing the music video for, Killing I don't it. know, remember the time. And, before, I don't and, know. Exactly. Yeah. No, you're absolutely right. But um, oh, okay. what they didn't do was they didn't do um, why you want to trip on me. They did. They don't really care about us. And instead of doing why you want to trip on me for the press conference, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that, it, it, that would have been so much cooler. Yeah, so much cooler. If you're doing the Dangerous tour, how about doing songs from the Dangerous album? Which a lot of those songs are just killer songs that yeah. didn't get the shine that they deserved. Yeah, they definitely. I, I, I mean, it, it. Okay, so I guess in in closing, we'll do we'll say this. What do you think they could do to fix this production? They would have to start over from scratch. Um, start, da- start. Th- yeah, them talking about dangerous, uh, the dangerous album. It should have been a fifteen minute or the dangerous tour. It should have been a fifteen twenty minute segment, and it should have been a montage or a. Um, a medley of songs performed on the Dangerous Tour. You know what I'm saying? Um, okay. Throughout this this movie, I mean, this production, it should have moved to, like, The Legend Continues. It should have been a testament to why Michael Jackson is the king of pop, all the records that he broke, all the amazing feats that he accomplished in his lifestyle, all the charity that he um, he did, everything he did for America. It should have been just Michael Jackson the living legend, past, present, and future, because his afterglow is so strong. You know, when you're famous, there is life after death. Are you going to go see it after it officially opens? No. um, I'm going to look for it on YouTube. Um, Yeah, yeah, and I'm going to tell you the truth. I already risked the plague to go see this, um, and it just wasn't, wasn't what it should have been. What do you think about the merchandise? That's a good topic. Um, uh, you know, I I bought a bunch of merchandise. I, I think I spent like two hundred and fifty dollars on merchandise, but mm-hmm. um, I I don't care for it. it. You know, it's again, it's just disappointing. It's like like I'm glad that I have it because you know it shows that I went to the show or whatever. You know, and I always love my Michael Jackson merchandise. I'm a sucker, but uh, yeah, it, it, it's 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 okay. I mean, I think the face mask was probably pretty cool, but um. I don't really care for it that much. I mean, I have it. I'm, I'm glad that I have it, but I don't care. Yeah. Well, I expected to see, like, a whole, like, vinyl stand. Like, I just expected to see more. Yeah. I mean, I mean, they're there. I don't know why they couldn't do these things. It's like, it's not why they couldn't have old vinyls or, like, an entire an entire thing set up to, you know, like, old uh, merchandise. You know, because you can go to a Hard Rock and see a jacket that Michael Jackson owned, you know. Right. But, yeah, they, they, I mean, I... I, I totally understand because I'm right there with you. It's like, if you're going to have something and you're going to put it to this magnitude, let's kind of let's do more because Michael Jackson would have done more. Well, 
that's our thoughts on MJ the Musical. Now in previews on Broadway at the Neil Simon Theater. Even though my review was very callous, I seriously urge everybody to take the trip to NYC to go check it out. You may not be as critical as I am, and you may just absolutely love it. It seems that most of the recent reviews have been positive, so I could just be the minority here. I just want this show to be the best it could possibly be, and it needs a little tough love. So just go see it and judge for yourself. Thank you for listening to Moonwalk Talks. I am your host, Jenkins. Please follow at Moonwalk Talks on Twitter and Instagram. Find us on YouTube. And thank you for sharing your time with me. And remember, no matter what happens today or tomorrow, keep the faith and don't forget to smile. Smile.